Chapter Twenty One of Tilda Jane's Orphans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dini Stain of Kelowna, Canada. Tilda Jane's Orphans by Marshall Saunders. Chapter Twenty One. Tilda Jane receives a shock. Very early the next morning. Tilda Jane came trotting from the town with Poacher at her heels, and behind him the three-legged Gippy, puffing and grunting unamiably at her haste. She had had a pleasant visit at the Tracys, and had got up early to breakfast with them before they took a train to Bangor. Not a rumor of the fire of the night before had reached her, and with a happy face and frequent glances at a basket on her arm, in which reposed a fine large fruit cake for grandpa who was fond of sweets as mrs tracy always remembered she hurried along the road by the river her eyes leaped ahead past the smiths and the dollivers in search of the little two-storied white cottage with the tiny tower which was the dearest spot on earth to her why what did it mean there was no cottage roof showing through the tree-tops that were just bursting into leaf. No neatly curtained windows were waiting to greet her like quiet, friendly eyes of the house. She broke into a run and wheeled breathlessly into the yard. Her amazed, sweeping glance took in everything. The still-smoking ruins. The deserted yard. No, not deserted for there were little housetop and his mates strutting gaily about spreading their tails and cooing as harmoniously as if there were no such thing in the world as trouble tilda jane stopped started forwards stopped again and clasping her hands looked about her the sound of a cheery whistle broke upon her ear and at the same instant someone threw open the big barn door oh hank she cried and dismay grief and anxiety were so blended in her tone that he did not know which prevailed hello sissy he replied the early bird gets the worm but he misses the fire of the night before why didn't you come to it the fire she ejaculated and with a groan she sank on one of the big parlor chairs that was reposing as naturally in the yard as if it belonged there Hank knew that she was rather an undemonstrative girl, but her capacity for suffering was greater than that of most demonstrative persons, and he surveyed her compassionately. Hold on to yourself, sissy, he said. Don't mourn. We're going to have another house with all the latest improvements. Where's Grandpa and the pup? She gasped. And Perletta? Safe and sound at the Melangons, but not up yet, I guess. It's still early, and we had a gay night. Hank, how did it happen? He told her all he knew about it, but said he had not talked much to his father for fear of exciting him. And our happy home is gone, said the little girl at last. Our bright, beautiful home. You can't burn up homes, sissy. She stared at him miserably. Homes are here, he said, laying a hand on his heart. Now you wait and by night you'll have a new first-class case for your home right on this spot hank what are you talking about his eyes twinkled we're going to take the outdoor cure sissy you see this fine clean barn not near as old as the house was 
I'm a-going to sweep the hay off this floor, arrange this furniture we saved, buy a bit more, have a big table for eating and another for cooking on, clear away that pig pen in the yard, and have a small shelter for a cook stove, and a covered runway from it to the barn. Why, we'll live right out here then, interrupted Tilda Jane with the lightning of her worried face. Right here, sissy, and up there in the hayloft I'll fix a bedroom for you, and one for Perletta. A few planks and nails will do it, and by the time we want to put in our winter hay, we'll either find a place in the neighborhood for it, or else, if the new house is pretty well on, we'll be able to camp in it, and put the hay here in its proper place. Tilda Jane actually smiled. And we'll have those big doors open all the time, continued Hank and drink in lots of fresh air, and there won't be a heap of housework to do, and you can study and go for rides. Hank, dear brother, she said, rubbing her hand over her eyes. And I'll clean out the harness room, Hank went on, and fit it up for a bower for Dad, where he can sit and weep or smile as he chooses, and put an oil stove in, lest his old bones get chilly. Oh, he won't, said Tilda Jane happily. This summer is right on us, and it is so warm here by the river. I don't think he'll need it. Still, I'd like him to know it's there, and if he doesn't approve, I'll hire a room for him at Mrs. Melangon's. He'll be sure to want to stay with us. Oh, dear, how lovely to be out here with the animals. I'll close them in. They'll have their own quarters. We ours, said Hank. But this barn has always been kept clean, and it's a more decent place to live in than many persons have. Then, best of all, sissy, camping right here on our own property will enable me to watch the workmen as they put up our new house. And if there's any scamping done, I'll jump square on to them. See, here's the plan. I couldn't sleep, so I got up and sketched it on the shingle. The young girl bent her head over the shingle, and was soon deep in an animated discussion of the arrangement of rooms in the new house. "'That's the way to do, sissy,' said Hank, rising after a time and putting the shingle away. "'If you get a knock-down blow, jump right up and begin to lay about how to get in another at fate. I'm not going to give up as long as there's breath in my body. Now let us go find some breakfast.' I'm feverish to begin cooking right here, said Tilda Jane, looking about her. Good for you, sissy, but stop till I find you the wherewithal. Perletta did fine in snatching a lot of cooking pots and pans out of the woodhouse. See, they're in a heap there, but we'll have to board with Mrs. Melangon for a few days. Hold on, pon my misfortunes, if there ain't Mr. Waysmith and Muffles. Is my face dirty, sissy? A little, not much, she replied. It's not to be wondered at. Don't stop to clean yourself. He won't like to wait. And she stepped back so that he could go first to greet his employer. Well, sir, I take this as a kindness to come here at this early hour, said Hank gratefully after Mr. Waysmith had spoken to him. I was anxious about your father, said Mr. Waysmith. Did he get a great shock? Yes, sir, but I guess it won't hurt him. Mr. Waysmith's eyes went roving about the barn and yard. He's at a neighbor's, sir, with the pup. By the way, sir, it was your pup that gave the alarm. Mr. Waysmith looked incredulous, then delighted in a subdued way. That young thing? 
he presently ejaculated yes sir he clawed at father and woke him when handy andy was younger he was always sleepy and heavy the first part of the night but now he's nervous and sleeps late in the morning he's just changed round in his habits i guess he was wakeful and smelt the smoke they say dogs are sensitive to it he's the true son of his father and hank pointed to muffles who was standing some distance off sniffling at the ruins of the house so the pup woke your father said mr waysmith with immense satisfaction yes sir and it looks to me as if we'd have had a pretty close shave for our lives if it hadn't been for him i'm feared father would have gone for he was right close to the kitchen i might have got out and the girl though we're both powerful sleepers i will go and call on your father said mr waysmith but i want to ask you some questions first you will of course rebuild hank glanced at tilda jane who was gazing affectionately and admiringly into the merchant's face mr waysmith had politely taken off his hat to her and she expected no further recognition she was content to stand and look at him but now at hank's significant nod she quietly slipped away to the back of the garden to interview dodge and grappler as to their experience during the fire poacher and gippie followed her they were both uneasy gippie kept raising his head to catch the smoky odors about him while poacher ran from tilda jane to the ruined cellar and back again too perturbed to go and greet the strange dog muffles i didn't want sissy there to know just how hard up i am said hank in a low voice i've been talking big about building but she would fret if she knew how little i have to build on have you any money at all inquired mr waysmith only five hundred insurance and my salary sir any debts no sir how much money do you need to put up another house i guess i can do it for two thousand five hundred sir i don't want any folderols i will lend you two thousand dollars without interest said his employer and when the house is finished i wish to furnish it the furniture to be a present to your adopted sister hank flushed under his grimy skin that's very handsome in you sir not at all i have money everyone knows it i had a hard time to get it and i belong to a large class of the well-to-do who long to be of benefit to young men struggling to get a footing the trouble is we can't find deserving ones once you begin to help a fellow he drops a dead weight on your hands that's the curse of riches to my mind you can't help anyone i don't want your money sir said hank sturdily except as a loan i know that said mr waysmith in his slow concentrated way if you did want it as a gift you wouldn't get it i have watched you i know that instead of spending your evenings with a set of fast young fellows as you used to do you come home and sit with your old father and try to pick up a little information from books hank looked sheepish and said nothing you may draw on me at any time for the amount i named said mr waysmith i wish the money to be paid back in the shape of monthly installments that will be equal to a low house rent say eight dollars a month hank smiled broadly you'll be a long time getting your money sir i can wait sir said the young man seriously i don't want to gush but on the other hand i don't want you to think i'm ungrateful you've never been mean 
you have the name of being good pay for hard work and i would like to say sir that your assistant bookkeeper won't keep your books any worse for his grateful feelings my father served you faithfully before me and i'd just like to find anyone cheating you of a cent mr waysmith gave him a keen glance was it possible that he did not know of his father's theft of the two hundred and fifty dollars the old man would not tell him of course but could the little girl keep such a secret he looked wonderingly at her as she stood down near the lilacs her dog at her heels the pigeon on her shoulder the two pigs staring inquiringly at her and wonder of wonders his own pet muffles sneaking round the smoking cellar to get to her she must tell her secrets to the animals reflected the surprised man and he whistled to muffles and strode away thoughtfully towards the melangan house most girls of fifteen and sixteen are chatterboxes what self-control for one so young sissy i say sissy exclaimed hank running after her when his employer was out of sight misfortunes turned inside out are blessings the young girl moved around deliberately on account of the pigeon on her shoulder if the misfortunes ain't your fault brother there's good in them you didn't set the fire it came upon you i'm proud to have you take it right you're braver than i am hank in a few gleeful sentences told her how mr waysmith was going to help him not bad that he added considering that we most burned up his dog if we had he would have known that we didn't mean to said the little girl softly hank i guess folks are pretty sharp at knowing what we're to blame for and what we're not sometimes i guess they are he said in a puzzled way sometimes they don't seem to i say life is a queer thing any way you take it sissy i suppose it is she said humbly i haven't lived long but i know this much hank if i make faces at people they make em back at me if i look pleasant they look pleasant that's it exclaimed hank and i'm going to keep on grinning some big writer said that the world is a looking-glass chapter twenty one